I'm going to give you the number. I'm going to throw it out there. 42% of women at some time in their life have some issues with sexual functioning, whether it's decreased libido, whether it's um, inability to orgasm, whether it's painful intercourse, you know, so you are not alone. That's my message to women. You are not alone. You should not be ashamed. And please, if you come see us, we're going to validate your concerns and, and let you realize that, you know what, we just want you to have a life that is as full as you want it to be. Hello and welcome to Her Kind of Healthy, a health podcast series brought to you by Sanford Health. I'm your host, Courtney Collin with Sanford Health News. We want to start new conversations about age-old topics from fertility and pregnancy to postpartum, managing stress, healthy living, and so much more. Her Kind of Healthy is here to bring you the honest conversations about self-care, happiness, and your overall well-being with our Sanford Health experts. In this episode, we are having a sex talk, specifically about why you might not be enjoying your sex life. Well, if you're someone who just doesn't like sex or intimacy, I'm here to say that's okay. But we're going to take a deep dive into some of the reasons why you might not be enjoying it and how to overcome that. If there is any physician at Sanford Health whose mission it is to ensure you have a healthy sex life, it's OBGYN Dr. Lori Landine. Joining her for this conversation is Molly Keel, certified nurse practitioner. Both of them specialize in sexual health at Sanford Women's. And we are so grateful to have you both for this conversation. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Now, Dr. Landing, I know you're so passionate about this topic. Both of you are really, and you've said before, uh, intimacy and sex are part of our natural well-being. And as women, we go through so many stages of life in our marriage, partnerships, through parenting, beyond. Is it normal to experience sort of an ebb and flow of intimacy and desire? Absolutely. And you use the exact words I was going to use, ebb and flow. I mean, there is no doubt that, you know, sexual well-being has a lot of things that um, help it and hinder it. You know, we have what we call the things that enhance and give us our acceleration. And we also have the things that put on the brakes. And actually, that's a great way. It's out of a book that we actually recommend patients read. Um, And so I think that um, what women need to realize is, number one, our testosterone levels are one-tenth that of a man, even if we have normal testosterone levels. So of course our drives are different. We can't expect to be the same. Number two, what causes us to have sexual desire? Certainly hormones. There is no doubt. It is natural for a woman to feel more amorous with her partner during ovulation because her estrogen levels peak. Um, It is very natural for a woman to have no sex drive after having a baby because her estrogen levels plummet. Stress plays a major role. Medications can play a major role. And then on the other side of life, you know, having a cancer diagnosis, you know, just for instance, a breast cancer diagnosis, we remove your breasts, we take away your, you know, what I would call your self-esteem about your own sexual well-being. And then on top of that, we take away your estrogen. And, you know, it's a surgical menopause, you know, when we stop your estrogen levels, it's not like the, you know, you're rolling down a hill going through menopause, you're jumping off of a cliff. So that can also Mm -hmm. do that. And then just natural menopause, again, you're going to have changes that cause painful intercourse. A lot of the reasons why women say they have decreased libido is because they're not enjoying sex and they're not enjoying sex because they have some medical reason why it hurts to have sex. Why are we having painful intercourse? Let's talk through that, Molly. 
there are a lot of reasons that women may have painful intercourse. Some of them are self-limiting, many are not. And anytime a woman is having painful intercourse, it's really, it's not normal. And they should seek medical care for that and evaluation. Um, some of the reasons, as Dr. Landine already mentioned, could be hormonal. Um, and that can happen again after having a baby, for instance, with low estrogen levels. There can be pain at the opening of the vagina and within the vagina. Um, after certain medical treatments, um, you know, like radiation to the pelvis, even with the colon cancer, some women receive kind of uh, radiation to that area that may, you know, leak into the vagina, so to speak. And that can affect those tissues, causing uh, stiffening of the vaginal um membranes or that's not the word I'm looking just for. scarring yeah, yeah scarring of the vaginal tissue that causes loss of elasticity um there can be you know lacerations with birthing that can cause scarring and pain some women who are you know elite athletes in high school who are elite athletes in college women who are marathon runners things like that they can have mm -hmm. injuries in their their pelvis their lower extremities that alter their gait. And even those types of things can cause um, high tone in the pelvic floor. And women don't realize it, but that is the, the base of our entire body. It holds all of our organs and any alteration in that musculature can actually cause painful sex. And things as simple as contact irritants can cause almost an allergic dermatitis type reaction at the opening of the vagina. Mm -hmm recurrent yeast infections, recurrent bladder infections, something as simple as constipation can cause painful intercourse. So there is a whole, you know, gamut of reasons and they range from very simple to very, very complex. And that's our job as specialized clinicians is to do a detailed evaluation, a detailed history, and to kind of tease those things out. You know, when did this first start occurring? Does it happen all the time? Uh, is it a limited thing? Is it just with this partner or did it precede this partner, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Dr. Landine, do you see a lot of patients come in and may be embarrassed to express? Absolutely. So I'm just, just before I came here, I had a sexual health consult. <laughs> I usually say that as my last appointment in the morning. And then I have a special clinic that um, we will do just exclusively with sexual health patients. Because number one, we wanna give you time. You know, in general, you do a pap smear, yearly exam, you know, 15 minutes, boom. But with the patients that have these issues, half of it is just making them feel comfortable with us to even talk about right. these issues. Because we have shamed people. You know, society has made it a taboo. And you know, number, I'm gonna throw it out there, 42% of women at some time in their life have some issues with sexual functioning whether it's decreased libido, whether it's um, inability to orgasm, whether it's painful intercourse, you know, so you are not alone. That's my message to women. You are not alone. You should not be ashamed. And please, if you come see us, we're going to validate your concerns and, and let you realize that, you know what, we just want you to have a life that is as full as you want it to be. Um, studies have shown that women who have a very fulfilling, intimate life, they live longer. You know, mm -hmm. women who have painful intercourse may also have some urinary symptoms. This weekend, I read an article and it was stated genital urinary syndrome of menopause is killing women. I thought, what a great article. I was mm -hmm. actually going to show it to Molly here because mm -hmm. 
people don't realize that if you have vaginal irritation and you're having recurrent urinary tract infections because the estrogen levels are low, it can also, people will maybe have painful intercourse, mm-hmm. but you can also have some urinary symptoms that can lead to what's called urosepsis. And that's like a majority of women who are menopausal, it can lead to death. I mean, so there's a lot of things that, you know, we dismiss because we don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. because we're embarrassed. And it, Molly, we know that having a healthy sexual relationship in our marriage or in our partnership is important and, and having intimacy is important. If something is painful and maybe we're seeking care or we're going to seek care, hopefully after listening to this, it would encourage someone to seek care uh, as to not continue having painful intercourse. But Molly, how do you keep your partner satisfied in the meantime? How can we be intimate um, when sex is painful? So there are a lot of ways to be intimate without having penetrative intercourse. And um, I think number one, we want to encourage women um, to be open with their partner and to not continue to have penetrative intercourse if it is painful for them. One of the worst things that women can do is to just grin and bear it, so to speak, because that's just going to reinforce that cycle in their mind, the sexual response cycle, that pain, painful sex equals bad, you know, and their libido is going to continue to decline. They may actually build up some resentment against their partner. And if their partner doesn't know that this is causing them pain, number one, how are they to understand this? But number two, if they do not openly and honestly communicate with them what they are experiencing, they really have no um, fair chance at helping their partner solve this problem. There are many other ways to satisfy a physically intimate relationship, and we can kind of help you come up with some of that. But you can, you know, use oral stimulation. We actually prescribe vibrators. Um, They're, you know, digital you know, stimulation, penetration, things like that. But ultimately, there's there's many ways intimacy is about physical and emotional intimacy and being emotionally vulnerable with your partner and one of those things is to openly and honestly communicate about when you are feeling you know pain and we want to encourage women that it's not embarrassing to be vulnerable with your partner and this will only further expand you know the depths of your relationship we also encourage you to bring them to your appointments because a lot of the appointments are education based and the partners really seem to get a lot out of that by understanding that what we're able to provide informationally at the appointments where do we begin to seek care when it comes to painful intercourse or otherwise well one of the first things is you know Certainly any of your primary physicians can refer you to our clinic, um, to our intimacy clinic that we have. Um, The other thing is we do telemedicine. You know, we can have the first visit. I don't have to physically examine a patient at the first visit. And sometimes I don't do that because I feel like I need to build that relationship with them Mm -hmm. because they're vulnerable with, with us as well because of what they've gone through. The other thing is there is always an emotional and psychological component that we always want to make sure is okay. And, you know, some patients have had a history of sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. a history of rape. And although they love their current partner, they're having a hard time disassociating lovemaking with the one they love with a past experience 
where it was non-consensual and, and painful and caused trauma. So, um, you know, again, you don't have to physically come in if you cannot and you're far away. We would prefer it because I always feel like one-on-one -on -one close up. I, I like to see my patients and, you know, we all know in this day and age of Zoom and everything, it's taken away a little bit of the relationship piece, you know. Let's talk about sex after pregnancy. What can we expect during postpartum and how can we resume intimacy after baby? There's two main things that occur when you're postpartum. Your estrogen levels plummet and you have significant sleep deprivation. And this is even worse with breastfeeding moms and bottle feeding moms, okay? But it can happen with both. But two thirds of relationships postpartum take a dive. Two out of three relationships, I don't care how good they are, they take a dive during that first 12 months because you are forgetting to um, help each other with your own love language, you know? So you are resentful that he even wants sex. He's resentful because you're watching the baby and, and he hasn't become the number one player on the team anymore, you know? And it's not that he doesn't love the baby, but the bottom line is, first of all, acknowledging it. That's the biggest thing is acknowledging that piece. And number two, doing what you can. I say go on a date night. If you hopefully have, you know, grandparents who are willing to watch the kid, maybe even overnight, you know, go to a hotel room where there is no interruption. You don't hear a baby crying, you know? Mm -hmm. Get out the good old lubricant. And we're a fan of natural products. Bring your olive oil, your coconut oil that you have at home. They are not harmful, they are natural. Anytime that you you know use anything that's over the counter, look at the label. It usually has a whole bunch of ingredients and you don't need that. If you look at olive oil, look at the label. It says olive oil, right? So um, again, there's a lot of things you can do to maintain a adequate and maybe even enhanced um, intimate life, even in those situations where, you know, you just don't feel, feel it as much and it's mm -hmm. understandable. Mm -hmm. And I'll say too, Courtney, you know, I'm a little over two years out. My daughter still doesn't sleep. She's up multiple times a night. I do this for a living and, you know, our sex life is not back to where it was pre-kids. Um, and we work hard at it. You know, we really try, but it's certainly, you know, mama's touched out at the end of the day. Mama's tired. Baby only wants mom in the middle of the night. She doesn't want dad. And again, the best thing you can do is just be open and honest. And, you know, he, he still comes to me, you know, horny as ever asking for it, you know, five times a week. And he, he might only get it two times a week and that's how it is. But he, um, he understands that I am tired. I'm touched out. I still deeply love him. And, you know, it's just not at the top of my priority list right now to be physically intimate when the kids need so much attention and mm -hmm. there's great books out there there's great relationship resources out there that can help with a woman's um or you know a partner's ability to communicate these types of things to their significant other but and, I, and i'm also going to say that even if you don't have the desire most women once they get into the actual intimate time mm -hmm. they actually enjoy it and they get aroused so yeah. i basically tell women whether you have the urge or not, in your mind, make an appointment because studies show that if you can have intercourse twice a week with your partner, it's also going to make the relationship better. You know, most women are going to still enjoy it while they're in the moment. That is true. Mama usually enjoys it once she's in it. Right. And so, you know, so again, realizing that this is 
the biggest thing, you know, you get a lot of conflict resolution when you become intimate. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, if there's conflict in relationship, intimacy can really help it. And it may not be the end all you have to have communication is the key, but intimacy is such an important part of relationships. How often should we be intimate with our partners? Studies have shown that having intercourse two to three times a week is what keeps us healthier and we live longer. And I'm not telling you that you have to, there's some, you know, and I'm not talking penis and vagina either. You know, there's other ways to be intimate. You know, we, we have what we call the five love languages. I encourage all women and men to read that because for a lot of women, it's not the physical touch. For men, it's more physical touch than for women. For a lot of women, it's affirmation. You know, I mean, there's other things, you know, that, you know, but if it sets you off, that's going to make you want to have intercourse more. And if it's physical touch, well, we as women, we need to understand if our significant other, that's what's important to them, then we need to answer to their love language also. Thank you so much. And just to wrap things up here, both of you, how would you encourage women listening no matter what stage of life they're in at this point, that it doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, not enjoyable for one person that it can get better and there is help. What would you say to those listening? I would say that there, this day and age, there are so many resources available um, and they're good research, evidence-based, scientifically sound resources that we can help you with, we can direct you to, um, that there is just, you know, if you feel hopeless, please do not, please reach out and allow us to help you. If we can't, you know, solve it for you, if we can't answer your questions, we have a vast network of, uh, you know, great clinicians that we can refer you to. But the the amount of women that we have been able to help, the amount of partnerships that we've been able to help in just the couple, you know, years we've dedicated to this mm -hmm. is amazing. And it's been really rewarding work that Dr. Lee and Dean and I have been able to do together. Yeah, this is a multidisciplinary, you know, thing that we do here. We have physical therapists involved. We have, um, you know, our um, mental health therapists and triage specialists involved. We have couples therapists involved. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, you know, primary care physicians because lots of times it's, it's not just a, a girl thing or a boy thing. It's a wee thing, you know. And so, you know, it may be people don't realize this, but a little bit of erectile dysfunction in a dry vagina that sets the stage. It's like a synergism. So it might be that we need to help, you know, the male partner as well. And although Molly and I don't take care of the male partner, we have great resources to get them to be taken care of. Come see us. You know, we, we, we want you to have the best, fullest life that you can have. And there really is not a taboo. And, you know, we are open to hearing what you have to say and not feeling ashamed, not feeling judged. We have fun together. Um, we take it seriously, but we have fun and we try to make things as comfortable as possible. Um, we always ask for consent before we do an exam. You know, we'll never do anything that you're not personally comfortable with. We encourage you to bring your partner with um, and we would love to meet you. This is a topic that I just feel like isn't discussed enough. And we are so grateful for your time and all that you do for Sanford patients, um, your expertise. Dr. Landine, Molly, Keel, thank you so much for your time today. You thank, bet. Thanks, Courtney. To learn more about Sanford Women's or to make an appointment and find solutions to improve your sexual health, visit SanfordHealth.org. This was another episode of Her Kind of Healthy, a podcast series by Sanford Health.
For Sanford Health News, I'm Courtney Collin. Thanks for being here.